HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards & Sons, third-generation cure masters producing the country's best dry-cured and aged hams, bacon, and sausage. For more information, visit surreyfarms.com. Broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Boys, I'm mellow as a honeydew. Yeah. That cat is high. Look that look in his eye. Oh man, he's high. Yes, higher than a kite. That cat is high. Welcome back to the speakeasy. We're freshly back from Tales of the Cocktail, and uh, lucky to be alive, as it were. And in the studio with me today is the lovely, lovely. Lovely. I'm going to say it three times. Antonia Fatizzi from Bowles, Lucas Bowles. She is the New York brand manager for Lucas Bowles. And I'm really, really happy that we finally got her in the studio to come talk. Usually we're seeing each other in bars and hanging out and having dinner and and lots of drinks. And uh, it's nice to... uh, Sit here and have uh, lots of drinks with you. <laughs> well, cheers to you. Thank Welcome you for having to the me. Show. Um, so, as a uh, as a brand manager for Lucas Bowles, you've got a lot on your plate, or a lot on your bar, rather. Um, <laughs> <laughs> why don't you uh, tell us uh, a little bit about what your job entails? I mean, because it's a you you like you said before, you're uh, you wearing a lot of hats. Yeah, basically, I'm in charge of building all of the boutique brands for Lucas Bulls in the state of New York. So what we have in our portfolio is Bulls Geneva, Bulls Barrel Age Geneva, Galliano, Lothentico, and Ristretto, Ficari Sambuca, and Damrak Gin. So I'm in charge of managing the sales and marketing efforts in the retail stores, the restaurants, the bars, the hotels, and basically any channel, um, any avenue that we have to sell the products in New York, I have to help those efforts out cool and so as as a brand manager like it's as opposed to like uh, like a brand ambassador where you're like constantly going into uh, a lot of cocktail bars and different bars and stuff and basically geeking out you're you're more like straightforward like on the business side as it were 
Pretty much. I mean, the smaller the brand, the more you have to do, right? Yeah. So certainly there is no shortage of my time spent in cocktail bars, as my my expense reports will tell you. <laughs> um, but there is uh, there's a lot to do on the business end. Basically, for most any brand in America to get their, their wares out to bars, restaurants, ho- hotels, and all the things I said before, you have to go through what's called a wholesaler. So the wholesaler will help bring the product in. Their salespeople are the ones that are out on the street seeing the same bars, restaurants, and stores week in and week out, and they're selling a book of products. So essentially, they're out there selling anything from the big brands, the household names that we know and, and use every day, to the smaller boutique brands that are trying to get their name out there. And so I'm trying to manage their getting their attention, uh, helping us out, helping get the messages out, as well as delivering it in person. So sometimes that just means coming to a restaurant and talking to staff for 20, 25 minutes on before their shift starts. Yeah. Um, so you're so you're basically you're stacking up cases of Geneva on your bicycle and pedaling it around New York City. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> All of a sudden I'm Dutch. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so when you when you deal with the wholesalers, like what are, what are some of the things that uh, like we're, you were saying before? It's 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 more of a uh, rather than getting too deep into the the actual like ins and outs of the distillery, you're like. All right, we're we're dealing with uh, you know like especially with like Damrak Gin. It's like mm-hmm. why should you use Damrak Gin instead of like you know Beefeater or Hendrix or you know it's like what what are your your approaches as far as getting the wholesaler to to take that on and be responsible with it. You have to remember that these are folks that are out there and they're they have a lot on their plate. They're trying to make sure that their stores and restaurants are getting their deliveries on time, that their bars and shelves are filled um, with the things that they need. So first and foremost, it's to understand what their priorities are. The simpler that you can make a brand's message, the better. Because you're relying on hundreds of people to deliver a message for you as a brand manager. So with that, you know, I can sit there and I can talk distillation all day long and some of those people will certainly get it and certain some of those people will certainly repeat that message and that's amazing. But for the most part, I have to assume that they have the attention of a buyer of a store or restaurant's uh, t- attention span for only a few minutes and they have to be able to quickly communicate that. In the same way that Um, a server at a busy restaurant only has a few moments to take an order and to explain what a cocktail tastes like, what a wine tastes like, what a special of the day is. You you have to think in terms of quick points for those people. Absolutely. Um, And I feel like, especially for, not that Bowles, Bowles is a very big brand, you know, and um, it's, it's, it's weird that like such a big brand like that is, like you said, like it's such a you're, you're kind of like one of the little guys in the scene. You know, obviously when you've got like Grey Goose and people that are selling like hundreds of thousands of cases, you know, it, it's it's crazy. But uh, to get your your foot in the door, it's it's kind of insane. You know, Bowles has been around since 1575, and it's just it, it's insane that it's not like a standard uh, bottle yeah. behind every bar. It is, and you know that's partly due to the fact that it 
essentially disappeared after prohibition in the United States and didn't really make a return until Lucas Bowles USA launched it again in 2008. So for the past four years, you know, what you have to remember with Bowles Geneva is you're not only establishing a brand, you're establishing a category. Geneva is an AOC protected category. So that is a difficult thing to get. You don't just get an AOC. You don't just get a sense of place. I mean, ask those folks who are trying to sell cachaca and are trying to establish that as a legitimate category. They've been fighting that good fight for a very long time. So I'm essentially lucky as a salesperson to have the legitimacy, to have the heritage, the history, the authenticity, all those things that go along with Geneva. And to say to them, to say to our customers and, and our, our people out there who are aficionados, listen, this is something that, you know, just because you haven't been in Amsterdam or maybe those parts of Europe or, or those countries where it's big, it, we just have been missing the boat. And that's okay. Now it's time to catch up. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, uh, last time I was in Amsterdam, I was in the airport and I asked uh, the airport uh, bar bartender, I was like, do you have, uh, is, is your Geneva chilled? And he looked at me like I was an idiot. And so I had, I had like a pretty, a pretty long wait until my next flight. And we basically sampled every Polish Geneva that he had there. <laughs> like there was like even down to like there was like the uh, the three year and then I believe it was the three year then like the six year and then the ten mm-hmm. and then uh, of course the the current Polish uh, Geneva that we have uh, here in the states and corn wine and like stuff like that and like it was pretty awesome. I mean like uh, the parts I remember anyway because like I said we sampled every expression of it <laughs> and w- and one of those one of the ways that I've been able to get the distributor representatives and managers there to understand just how big Geneva is is I actually have a couple of photographs that I took inside of a, a retail store in the center of Amsterdam and the way that we have shelf sets here of gin and vodka and tequila they have shelves and i mean shelves of geneva so there is over a hundred different brands of geneva in amsterdam with bowls being the largest one and actually their best-selling geneva outsells the entire category of vodka in holland by four to one wow yeah that's crazy yeah so it's a household I, name there <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely um yeah and you know i i remember uh when um this was probably about four or five years ago. Um, the Franks, my bosses, um, at my my other job. You like that, Jack? <laughs> <laughs> my other job from the radio station. Um, uh, they brought me back a, a bottle of uh, a liter of corn wine, and mm-hmm. like I remember seeing bottles of that just like kind of scattered around at different bars. Not necessarily cocktail bars, like bars even like from where. I'm from in Oklahoma, like just people like in their travels finding these awesome like clay bottles uh, of uh, like bowls Geneva and corn wine, and being like, "What the hell is that? Like, it looks really cool. Let's try it." And be like, "Oh, okay." It's like <laughs> I can't tell if this is a whiskey or a gin, and the the style is somewhere between, isn't it? It is. I mean, and it's always fun to watch. And it- pardon me, an American's face the first time that they try it because the very first thing that we want to do is, of course, put it into a compartment in our brain as to something that we would recognize. And you're getting both. I mean, essentially, it's a whiskey-based spirit. The base of it is a little more than 50% triple distilled corn, wheat, and rye. 
instead of just putting that into a bottle and calling it a day, they soften it. They make it more aromatic. There's botanicals involved. It's it's just, it's lovely. It dances in a cocktail. And, you know, because it predates gin, that caused a lot of confusion in the American market when we relaunched. And we had to really get people to step back and say, listen, you can have this, as you mentioned before, chilled. And you can have this with this beer right now as a shot next to it. You can play it like a gin. You can play it like a whiskey. But for the love of all things holy, please, people, don't mix it with tonic. That's the only thing I tell them. <laughs> That's where you're going to go wrong. Everything else, knock yourself out. Go crazy. Nice. Just don't mix with tonic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I guess as far as the historical um, uh, timeline goes, it was Geneva. And then, I guess, somewhere around the, uh, like, old Tom gin. And then eventually became London Dry Gin. Right. Which... It's what everyone knows these days. So it's it's kind of like working backwards, right? It is. I mean, when you look at the time frame of the 1700s, when the Dutch and the English were absolutely just beating the hell out of one another in their, one of their four or five world wars, the Dutch were given rations of Geneva to go to war with, aptly named Dutch Courage. So they, you know, they really got their druthers about them on the field, and the English got a hold of it, and they said, all right, we thought we were crazy. These guys are nuts. What the hell are they drinking? And so essentially they fell in love with it, and they tried to replicate it. But because it's a grain-based spirit, at the time that we're, of the time we're speaking, they didn't have the distillation processes yet available to them that the Dutch were so widely created, accredited with inventing, nor did they have the abundance of grains. So they came out with their own spin on it, which was what we now know as London Dry Gin. And that's great. And they're two wonderful, beautiful spirits. They're just different. They're very different, mm-hmm. actually. And the cool thing about, uh, like... There's a there's like a, such a an amazing mouthfeel to to Dutch gin or Geneva, you know that like you said, you know it's somewhere between a gin and a whiskey. If you really want to like find the the quick uh, answer to it, and mm-hmm. it's cool because it's very versatile. I mean, it's its own flavor. Like you said, you know you have to like a lot of times teach uh, someone who's tasting for the first time. You, you kind of like got to work with them. But it's, it's very much its own flavor, and you can kind of, like, try and pinpoint it and, like, you know, categorize it in your brain, you know, as one thing or another. But it is its own thing, and it works really well with, I mean, like, with citrus, it works well in, like, a stirred cocktail. Um, I tend to go on the citrus side with it because the acidity kind of breaks up some of that malty kind of, like... Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, you can do a Pimm's Cup with it. Absolutely. Oh, ooh. Yeah. Yeah, we we actually were now you're at talking uh, dirty. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> we were over at uh, at Whitehall, and and uh, John McCarthy, who's the head bartender over there, started messing around with it um, at the suggestion of uh, you know Pamela Wisneder from from uh, Bishop Barron, and she was like, "I want a Bulls Geneva Pimps Cup," and three heads just popped up, and we we're like. Oh, that sounds really kind of cool. And next thing you know, John's just throwing everything but the kitchen sink in there. <laughs> I mean, if there was a fruit to be found in that bar, it went in the glass. And nice. we were just having a ball with it. It's just, it's a lot of fun. Very cool. Yeah. Um, well, I think, like, the last time uh, that I had a, uh, something that really blew my mind, Jim Kearns and I were, uh, I mean, like, as far as, like, with a with a uh, Geneva drink, uh Besides the Dutch smash that I put on, on my menu. love, love. Okay, those things are dangerous. By the way, you know how many of those we had at lunch the first day that I came in with my distributor guys. Yeah, really? 
It, yeah. It was. Did you uh, did you use your uh, your whole like months? <laughs> I well, let's just put it this way: somebody had to be reminded they were driving. <laughs> so yeah, and uh, and you know, but hey, listen, it was a good, yeah, great absolutely. drink. Yeah, the 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 last. Uh, well, this is something I've been trying to do anyway. Like I'm trying to bring back uh, cream drinks, and I know the Brad Farron is as well. But uh, we did a, a Bull Geneva Alexander because, like, you know, the original Alexander is like with gin, but and then it eventually became a Brandy Alexander, yeah, um, which is why it's called a Brandy Alexander mm-hmm. instead of an Alexander. But um, we did it with uh, Bull Geneva, and it is delicious. Really? Have you ever had that? No. Is Brad going to put it on the Clover Club menu for me? <laughs> I, I don't know. It was something that uh, Jim Kearns okay. and I worked on at, uh, uh, well, we didn't really work on it. We were just like, <laughs> drinking it. let's just put that in uh, Alexander and try it out. And uh, it turns out like it's the best milkshake ever. <laughs> in a glass that you'll ever have. That's kind of amazing. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And uh, when we get back, let's uh, whip up one of those citrusy uh, Bulls and drinks. Let's do it. All right, cool. Back in just a moment. The following program was sponsored by S. Wallace Edwards and Sons. Summertime is not the only time when barbecue is welcome. At S. Wallace Edwards and Sons, Sam Edwards has been working his magic on ribs, briskets, pit-cooked pulled pork, and much, much more. Add a few of their sides and the party is complete. Entertaining has never been so easy. To order, go to virginiatraditions.com. And we are back. We're in the studio today with the New York State brand manager of Bowles Geneva and all of their lovely products, Antonia Fatizzi. And we're about to have an awesome, awesome cocktail. We were just speaking before the break about enjoying uh, Bowles Geneva with a little bit of citrus and uh, shaking drink. And so we're going to do that, right? Indeed. 
So, um, actually, for those of you familiar with the Manhattan Cocktail Classic, uh, Frank Cisneros, our old ambassador, brand ambassador, was um, serving this up at the gala there in Manhattan Public Library two years ago. And from what we understand, we were amongst one of the most visited tables because of this drink. So this is a lot of fun. Uh, It's a historic drink. He's putting together uh, two ounces of Bulls Geneva, three quarters of an ounce of fresh squeezed lemon juice, three quarters an ounce of simple syrup. He's shaking that up. This is the first time I've actually made a drink on the show. Usually uh, my guests make the drink. Oh, really? But I'm so glad to shake this up for you. You're so much better than me. It's going to put strain this into a glass with some fresh ice and put a little dusting of cayenne pepper in there, on there, around the top. So essentially this is a, uh, it's a Geneva sour with uh, a little bit of cayenne pepper. Exactly. Exactly. So a little bite to it. It's actually going to nicely alongside the beer. Well, I'm flattered that you're making me this drink, Dan. Uh, you know you. what? I'll make you a drink anytime you ask. Yay! <laughs> so, some cayenne pepper. Spice it's it so up. That one. I wish those of you at home could see this right now. Oh, you guys. You guys are so <laughs> jealous right now. That's maybe too much cayenne pepper, but I like it spicy. Oh, my God. All right. Oh, so, God. I'm going to pass this one right over to you. Thank you. Don't worry, Jack. We'll get you one after the show. <laughs> So cheers. Cheers. Oh wow, that's awesome. Isn't that fun? Um I vaguely remember and I really <laughs> want to put the emphasis on vaguely. Uh remember uh having one of these or a few of these at the Manhattan Cocktail Classic. Um Wow, that's really nice. And yeah, you're right. It goes really well with beer. Yeah. You know what actually Speaking of that, like you said before uh, on the earlier half of the show, yeah, it's it's uh, one of the like most amazing boilermakers that there are. <laughs> Indeed. And I believe uh, I I want to say we there was a, a Bolshevik tasting at Louis Six Forty Nine a couple years ago, mm. where that was basically what was happening. But that's 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 what was happening but uh, you know the uh the small there's there are these like traditional like tulip glasses that hold basically just an ounce or so about an ounce and a quarter yeah um and so exactly they're they're a tulip glass they look something similar to a grappa glass and the traditional way of serving this is called the kapstotje which is a beer shot um and so what the dutch will do is chill the geneva if you'd like i prefer it chilled personally um and they will fill that glass to the tippy top. So if you move it, it will spill because they want to ensure that you know that they're giving you a full serving and they're not shorting you. And then you put your hands behind your back. You take a little slurp off the top. You take a sip of your beer and you do the rest of the shot. And so last year we set the world's record for the largest cop stocha ever done at once at Tales of the Cocktail. So we had about 500 people right off of Bourbon Street doing it simultaneously. So Sounds like a party. Yeah, yeah. I um, I actually, we mostly prefer a citrus-based beer, like, a you know, just something that's kind of, like, light and, and really picks up the botanicals in it. Although, of course, when you go to Holland, what do they want to do with Heineken? So, of course. You know. <laughs> um, so. This is really good. Yeah, I know. I, I'm, yeah, hold on. We're just going to take another sip. <laughs> I've got cayenne pepper in my mustache. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Uh, also, very quickly, like, um, 
some of the other brands that you have are like Galliano and the like Galliano Ristretto. Mm-hmm. And how do those like are you are you like cross promoting those brands like with any cocktails? Yeah, I mean, um, there's a there's a great restaurant called Corsino mm-hmm. in the West Village um, that just put on a Damrock Gin and Galliano Authentico cocktail. Um, so they're doing really well. They're part of the Enoteca group. You know, whenever we can, we we surely do. So so it's great. Let's talk about Galliano for a sec. Okay. Let's talk about like my grandma and her like yeah. mini bar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, I was I remember being at um, let's see where was it um, Pegu Club, right as uh, Galliano was going through the rebranding and the reformulation of of the brand. Like I guess what was it like the the sixties or seventies when the actual formulation changed. So basically, um, the original formula came out in eighteen ninety six. It was created in. Um, it was created in Italy, excuse me, by a gentleman named Martaro Vacari, and uh, and it had seen you know quite a few lifetimes. It came over during the gold rush to the United States, traveled across the country. It was meant. Um, it was also partly color, colored gold for inspiration for people who are coming over from Italy to remember why they're here and also for the place from which they came. So it arrived in California. In the 40s and 50s is when the cocktails, like the Harvey Wallbanger, the Golden Cadillac, the Yellowbird, started to really pick up traction. So even though people associate the Wallbanger, for example, with fern bars in the 70s, it actually dates back to an earlier period of time than that. Um, The brand was picked up by Remy Cointreau in 2000 and I'm sorry in 1996 and in 1996 the French sort of took a look at the US business and the demographics and they realized that people were drinking more or less sweet things so they changed the formula they dropped the proof they made it sweeter it was more viscous it was more vanilla like so you know the sales really it didn't help sales at all I mean you know so when Lucas Bowles especially like happening right as like the cocktail culture was starting to change back into what it is now. Yeah, and you know, and and I have to say, thank goodness for bartenders because I largely credit the bartending community with keeping the brand alive all these years. You know, you guys are the ones that ever gave up on it and really bothered to investigate what was in that bottle. In 2006, um, Hoop Van Dorn, who is the gentleman that owns Lucas Bowles right now, he came over from Remy Quantro. He was on their board of directors and he had been watching the brand this whole time in the U.S. And he kept saying, you know, this brand still has legs. This brand still has legs. I know we could be successful with it. And it's his baby. He demanded that he, you know, when they when they sold him the Bulls line, which they did in 2006, that, that he, he wanted Galliano with it. Um, went right back to Murawski and Carici, which is the mint distillery in Livorno, Italy, where the formula was first created, and changed it back to the original formula. And it, it really is so much more balanced. It's still, to this day, one of the most complex spirits in the world to make. There's over 30 exotic herbs and spices, seven infusions, six distillations, and a partridge in a pear tree. I mean, there's a lot going on in that bottle. So I very actively encourage people to just break it out and do something with it. I, you know, I floated it on Dark and Stormies. I'll put it in a margarita instead of Cointreau or Triple Sec and make an Italian version of a margarita. Um... I mean, there's, you know, I'll, I'll put it into an Aperol spritz. I mean, there's there's so much that you can do with it that will offer a drink depth and, you know, put that depth into a cocktail in a way that's not otherwise found. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, <clears throat> I guess it was two or... Wow, I'm choking on uh, cayenne pepper mm. now. Um, but uh, there were... 
a couple of dudes from uh, from Denizen Room, uh, and they were talking about well, basically on the show we made um, uh, the El Presidente cocktail, mm-hmm. which they were saying is like the only stirred white rum drink that they know of. And I was like, all right, well, I, I know of another one called the Three Faces, and it's white rum, it's Campari, and Galliano. Mm-hmm. But back when I first found that recipe. It was still the old formula of Galliano. It was just like really sweet. But then trying it again after the show, I was like, wait a minute. I need to try that again. So I actually went to my bar, mixed one up, and it's a completely different formula. And it's it's a lot more, like you said, it's, it's definitely more complex and it's drier. So it makes more sense in that drink, you know. Hopefully and, uh, you're finding it to be more herbal. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Know? It's not just anise in your face and vanilla in your face. I right. mean, it's it's you know mint, garamas, cardamom, juniper, vanilla, lavender, anise, sandalwood. I mean, I've I've seen the presentation where they've put in some and not all, and it's just mind blowing about what's going on in that bottle. Well, that's another cool thing about the the Bull Geneva, is that I remember seeing the uh, there was a presentation, uh, but. I guess like three years ago of like all the botanicals that go into it. And then like the different, like, like atomizers mm-hmm. where it, like you could actually like get all the different things together. And then like, once you like, or separately, and then once you put them together, you're like, Oh my God, now I get it. Yeah. Now I get this. And 16 really- botanicals in yeah. total. Um, it, it's, it's great. I mean, because the more that you, Pay, the more that you really dive into it, the more that you can start to figure out, especially with the citrus, you know, the white fruits, the pear, the apple, all those kinds of things. I mean, there's a lot of fun to be. You can do a French 75 variation with it. It's just, it's which one of those botanicals you want to play with. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what, okay, I just want to go like a little off the record here. What are some of the, uh, the, the other uh, Bulls Geneva drinks that you like to drink? Um, you know, I mean, typically it's, uh, I like to think about a variation on a Collins. Um, the barrel aged Geneva has been a lot of fun. I mean, that makes a knockout old fashioned, a fantastic mint julep. Um, so, and you can even play with some of the citrus with that. I mean, personally, I just love to drink it on its own or on the rocks, but, um, to do a Negroni or an old fashioned with Bulls Geneva, it will certainly take you by surprise. Um, the Corpse Survivor is one I love. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the aviation's another one. So it's really kind of, that's the good thing about it is depending upon your mood, you can let this thing swing which way on the pendulum. It's versus some of, sometimes when you're selling a brand, you have to, you're in that dynamic all the time. There's only so much you can do with, you know, rum or tequila or, you know, you're, you're kind of like boxed in a little bit. And when you're around that brand all day, all week long, you know, so I'm very. I feel very lucky that I have a portfolio, so that I can try out different things and and not let my palate get fatigued from just one thing all the time. Speaking of boxed in, I can't tell if it's because we're in the studio or if it's the cayenne pepper, but I'm like sweating. I love this streak. I know, I know. My hair is up in a bun. You're wearing like nine layers of denim over there. What's going on? And then we're looking at people eating hot pizza outside. I don't know what's happening there. Studio's hot right now. Exactly. Jack's um, thirsty. Yeah, Jack is thirsty. And, uh, you know, on that note, maybe we should go out and get a, a little bit of fresh air and uh, make Jack a drink. Amen. I, I, where is he? Ah! Where, where is Jack? He's at the bar. <laughs> he's, 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 he's already at the drink. bar. <laughs> <laughs> he's got no patience for this. Yeah, he's already been listening to us talk about all this drink and he's gotten thirsty. Yeah. Well, um, on that note, I guess it's time to go get a drink. 
Yeah, let's do it. Another drink, I guess. Uh, I get. Well, I only we have only, two in front of me. I mean, I can see at least fourteen glasses <laughs> and seven layers of denim. I know. <laughs> Poor thing. And one bun. But you still look good. You still look good, and you're rocking Grandpa's hat, which I love. I love. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, you look good as well, and I think that's the bulls you need for talking. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> All right. So this show is really starting to uh, tilt spin into something dirtier. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna take off for now, and we'll have you back on the show very soon. Antonio Fatizzi from Bulls Geneva, and I just thank you so much for coming on the show, and we will see you next time here on the Speakeasy. Thanks, thank you. Day. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. Boys, he's high. Just look at them two black eyes.